grandfather uh, on my mom's side. In fact, we lived just a quarter mile away on the farm. And uh, my grandfather served in World War II. And every once in a while, not very often, but every once in a while, he would launch into a story about something that happened during the service, during his time in the service. And, and what I found now looking back and reflecting upon that is when he did that, oftentimes he was trying to teach me something. He was trying to get me to see something that I was missing. And uh, those stories were a way of trying to convey that truth uh, back to me. And what we're going to do is, is we're going to look at the stories that Jesus told. We're going to look at some of the things that, that he passed on. And we're going to look at his parables. And to do that, I think it's important that we understand what the parable is. And what was Jesus' point in doing and, and teaching uh, in parables. Uh, while Jesus was here on earth in his earthly ministry, we quickly discover that Jesus told stories as his primary method of teaching. And one of the reasons uh, was that so, was so that the people would, would be reminded of their hopes and their dreams and of the things that they had hoped would come true. They'd been holding on to those things for generations. Jesus showed them through these parables, through these stories, about what the kingdom of God is like. And, and his desire was for them to hear what he had to say and then understand that that's what God's kingdom was like. But he also wanted them to see that it was probably going to be different than what they had thought. Different maybe than even they had hoped or dreamed that, that God's kingdom was coming now and it may not be exactly what they expected. And he used everyday examples. He, Jesus used such things as agriculture and relationships and governments in order to to make his point and to tell his story. And, and the reason for that is because stories are a lot more fun to hear, right, than a lecture. You'd much rather hear a good story, stories you can remember, stories you can relate to, stories you can retell. And that's what they did. Uh, the oral teaching was the primary method of, of passing down information. And you knew things because the story had been told to you time and time again. And, and that's what Jesus is doing. Simply put... A parable is just a word picture. It's just a, a way in which to uh, have the image or the story come to life. And it illustrates a truth. It illustrates something that, that Jesus wanted us to understand. He uses the known to explain the unknown. There may be a, a lot of reasons why Jesus used parables to teach people. But most of the time he did that just because he wanted them to understand. At least that's what I think. He wanted them to, to get the message and to hear it uh, for a, a fresh, new way. Another reason, according to Stephen L. Harris, is that Jesus used parables because they promoted thought and coaxed the listeners into participating more actively as they considered the parable's content. And this is what I hope that we can do through this series, is, is to be active in the story, to, to read the parables, to hear the parables, and find out how they practically apply to us how they matter to each of our individual lives. It's not a series where I'm going to give a, come up here and give you, you know, the three points, and if you do these things this week, your life will be better. Jesus' parables were amazing in, in the sense that we read through them and we have to explore what they mean. We have to discover what they mean to us. We begin in Matthew chapter 13, which is where I ask you to turn, and it's quite possibly one of the most familiar parables that Jesus told, the parable of the sower. Look at verse 1 in Matthew chapter 13 with me. The text reads this. The same day Jesus went out of the house and sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him that he got into a boat and sat in it, while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables. This is the first parable that Matthew records 
for us. And these stories were relatively easy to understand for most people, but they were a lot harder to grasp. We have to remember here that, that the people listening to these, the, these stories, they're in the middle of it. They're living it. It is the here and now. We have the privilege of being able to look back and go, oh, that makes sense. But they didn't. They were walking it. They were living it, and they were experiencing it right then. And it would have been much more difficult for them to understand what Jesus was saying. According to some, this word parable means to lay beside. And it's the idea of using two things, one familiar and one unfamiliar, in order to teach a spiritual truth. One uh, commentator that I was reading described uh, parables as mental time bombs. They were designed to be unforgettable, and the more the person thought about them, the more they would just explode into meaning and to life into their own hearts and souls. And so that's what I hope these parables do for you, is they come alive within you, and you allow God's word to penetrate your heart. If you jump down to verse 10 in Matthew chapter 13, we read that the disciples asked Jesus a question about this particular te- teaching method. They said, why do you speak to the people in parables? And in verse 12, he answers them, whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. Jesus quotes the Old Testament prophet Isaiah at this point, and he's pointing out that the prophecy of Isaiah is coming true in them. In other words, the purpose of the parable is to both reveal and to conceal all at the same time. For those who are willing to listen and understand and apply it to their life, the parables reveal amazing truths. But parables are perplexing to those who truly refuse to listen, to those who just kind of have a passing interest. Jesus is teaching the people that the kingdom of God is not just something that's coming, it is present, it is here, it is now. Notice what Jesus says in verse 9. He says, he who has ears, let him hear. Now one of the reasons I really like this particular parable is because Jesus tells us what it means. There's other parables that he he gives the parable and you kind of go, what do you mean, Jesus? But this one, he makes it easy. You know, this is like parables for dummies. He, he shows us exactly what he means. Look at down in verse 18. He says, listen then to what the parable of the sower means. And he explains what it means. And we're going to get to that as we look at this parable this morning. But as we, as we kind of jump into this particular parable, I think it's important to know just a little bit of the context of what's going on to help us understand it a little better. Uh, Jesus used things that were common. Things that were familiar. And I know we've talked about this before. Jesus uses terms and things in here that were familiar to his audience. Not really the same audience today, right? Uh, How many shepherds do we have out there? Fishermen? And don't raise your hand on this one, but tax collectors? Okay, you know, he's talking to all these these different groups of people who who they would see things, and Jesus would use the particular things. And and so Jesus begins in verse 3. He says, a farmer went out to sow his seed. Now, I know that in our context, in our culture today, a farmer goes out to sow his seed. What do we think of? We think of these big tractors and the planters, and they're going through the field. It's not the way it was then. A farmer would literally have a sack draped over his shoulder, kind of like, you know, the man bag, purse, whatever we're calling those these days, bigger Fuller, full of these seeds, and he would walk through with handfuls and just scatter it, kind of like if you're trying to reseed your lawn, right? And you're trying to, to do that. And he would just throw the seed. And, and what would happen is that the seed would end up in all sorts of places, on all sorts of soil, good and bad. And what I want us to do is to look at those four soils that Jesus points out and, and to kind of examine 
how those soils apply to us. And what I really challenge you to do this morning is to ask yourself, am I one of these soils? Or more specifically, which one of these soils am I? Because we're all in one of these camps, and we need to kind of look at what Jesus is trying to tell us this morning. The first one is the path. And we've just kind of labeled that the hard heart. Look at verse 4. As he was scattering the seeds, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Uh, the fields in Palestine in this time, they were small and you know, easily manageable, and, and they would have paths that were going alongside them and kind of through them to separate them out. And, and Jesus is talking about how they, the seed would fall on them and that the birds would come and, and eat them up. And, and so that, those were very common. People would walk down them. Livestock would walk down them. Uh, growing up on a farm, we had uh, roads around the fields. We called them shovel roads. That's just what we called them. I'm not exactly sure why, but it's where you left space between the fence and the, the crop so that you could drive down and inspect the, the crop without damaging any of the crops. And, and it was a, a hard path. And if seed fell on that, if you spilled seed on that, it didn't do anything. It just sat there because the ground was hard. Today, it would be like if you're sowing your grass seed and it falls on the sidewalk. Not going to grow unless you have really big cracks in your sidewalk. Or if you're down at the canal path and there's grass seed, it's just not going to grow because people trample it and, and birds come and eat it up. A little later in the chapter, Jesus interprets this first soil for us. He tells us what it means. In verse 19, he says this, When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. Jesus makes it pretty clear that, that there are some who, they hear the message about the kingdom, but their hearts are hardened. Their hearts are like the path, and the truth cannot penetrate it because it, it's hard. And, and then the devil comes, and he snatches it away before it has a chance. And, and part of the issue here that, that we have to recognize and deal with is the fact that Satan loves to bring confusion whenever the gospel is communicated. He likes to make it difficult. According to 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 4, where Paul refers to Satan as the god of this age, he says that Satan has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ. The truth is that Satan does not want people to have the word of God penetrate their heart. He doesn't want them to understand it. He doesn't want them to, to know that God wants a relationship with them. Luke records this same parable for us in Luke chapter 8, and he provides a little bit of additional insight. In verse 12, he says, The devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts so that they cannot believe and be saved. Satan does not want you to be saved. I don't know if you knew that, but he doesn't. He doesn't want you to have that saving relationship with Jesus Christ. He doesn't want you to accept the sacrifice that Jesus made on your behalf. He, he wants that to not be a part of who you are. Satan will do his part to harden our hearts, but the truth of the matter is, we harden our own hearts. We do it to ourselves as well. According to Hebrews chapter 3, verse 13, sin has a way of hardening our hearts. It says this, But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. There's a lot of things that we do that causes our hearts to be hardened. Pride, procrastination, stubbornness, anger, habitual sin, just to name a few. And, and there's lots of things that we can do that separate us from God and it causes our hearts to be hard. You ever feel like the message of Christ is just bouncing off of people? You ever feel like you're trying to be a good example but it just never works? You ever think that, that maybe this is what's going to work and it never does? And have you ever kind of gone down that gamut and gone, what difference does it make? Why even bother? Why even try? They don't care. 
For me, that's one of the hardest things for me to understand whenever the gospel message is presented to people, that their hearts just seem hard and, and they don't want to receive it. And it's at those times that I start to get really frustrated and just kind of go, what's the point? It's when I feel like God takes a big mirror and stands it right in front of me. <laughs> because there are times that I'm guilty of hardening my heart and not allowing God's word to penetrate into my soul to convict me of sin and, and so that I'll turn back to him and have that deeper relationship with him. Are there times in your life, are there situations where your heart is hard? God wants us to not have a hard heart. He wants us to take his truth and apply it into our life and into our hearts. Does that describe you? Does that describe who you are? Maybe who you were? A hard heart. A hard heart makes it tough for God's word to penetrate makes it tough for anything to grow. The second type of soil that Jesus mentions in this parable is the shallow soil. We're calling that emotional enthusiasm, and I'll, I'll explain. Uh, verses 5 and 6 in Matthew 13. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. I don't know if you've ever seen this happen, but in Palestine it was very common to have what looked like really good land. And what it was was a very thin layer of soil on top of just pretty much solid rock. And whenever they would sow seed there, it would spring up quickly and it would look great. And you would think you had a bumper crop and then the sun would come out and it would all die because there was no root system. It had nothing to to allow it to continue to receive nutrients. Jesus explained the shallow soil down in verse 20 and 21. The one who received the seed that fell in rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, he quickly falls away. The individual who receives uh, the word with emotion and enthusiasm, but didn't really count the cost of what it meant to be a Christian, didn't, can, didn't count on things going poorly, and they quickly fall away. It only lasts a short period of time. I've always heard this soil described as a convenient Christianity type of person because we all like this idea of forgiveness. We all like to know that, that God loves us, but we don't want to have any difficulties. It's why we are so quick to be happy and joyful when things go well, and we're like, look at me. I'm pretty good at this. I've got this figured out. And then when bad times come, who do we blame? God, why did you do this to me? Wait a minute. Why, why do we do that? It, God is saying here that, that we have to know that there are difficulties coming. Notice it doesn't say if trouble or persecution comes. It says when. Trouble and persecution, it strengthens those who are believers. It reveals the truth of our experience with him. And that's not anything new. That's nothing new to us. Jesus himself uh, experienced it when people started to bail on him because things were hard. John chapter 6, it says, From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. It's with great emotion and, and, and uh, excitement that we receive the Lord. And I think we should. But I want to caution you. If that's the only thing your faith is built on, then you're going to find yourself going from one emotional experience to the next. We caution young people, you go to CIY and you go to summer camp and you do all these things and it's just, if you just try to live from one high to the next, it's not going to sustain you. Instead, what we need to do is allow God's word to penetrate our hearts, to allow it to be part of who we are, to let it be 
our, our relationship with the Lord be the, the primary thing in our life. Not just emotion and not just enthusiasm, but a, a part of a relationship that's grounded in the truth of God's word. Because if you don't, oftentimes what's going to happen is you're just going to have this shallow faith. And when hard times come, you're going to quickly fade away. Third type of soil that Jesus mentions is the strangled soil with the worries and wealth. Jesus describes this soil in verse 7. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Thorns and thistles and weeds, they, they always rob the plants of the nutrients and the water that they need, and, and it causes the crops to fail. Jesus moves from the weedy soil into the worried soul, is what he's talking about in verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it making it unfruitful. This person is, is still attached to the world uh, with its worries and its wealth, and, and it gets choked out before a true conversion can really take place. In Luke's account of this very same parable, we read in, in verse uh, 14 of chapter 8 that the group of people that he's describing here are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. Worry, wealth, and the pleasures of this world can strangle the seed. Do we have any gardeners out there? Anybody have a garden of any kind? What is the thing that grows the best in your garden? Weeds, right? I was just talking to someone this week that said they're thankful for all the rain. Kinda. Because the rain makes the weeds grow quickly, but the rain also makes it easy to weed because they pull right out. But why are weeds so prevalent? I know growing up on a farm, again, we could grow a really, really good crop of weeds and thistles it was a lot harder to grow a really good crop of our crop. And my grandpa would say that's because the, the weeds, the thistles, they're native to the soil. They were there first. That's where they're used to growing. That's what they are made to do. The weeds of our life, the deceitfulness of wealth, the pursuit of pleasure, those things, man, they are in our society here in America, aren't they? They are a part of, of who we are. We're, we're bombarded with it all the time. And we have to be careful not to get overwhelmed with those things and not let those things to be what our heart is focused on or thinking about. It's like the, the young woman who received a, a wedding proposal from her boyfriend. And he said, darling, I love you more than life itself, and I want you to marry me. I may not be rich. I may not have a yacht or a Rolls Royce like Johnny Brown, but I love you with all my heart. And she thought for a moment, and she replied, well, honey, I love you with all my heart too. Could you tell me more about Johnny Brown? kind of wanted it both ways, right? Uh, have, you ever, have you ever met someone that has this strong spiritual interest and things are going well and they just seem to be really on fire for the Lord and then something happens and, and they just kind of tank? I, I have, and I've got to tell you, it's hard to watch. It's hard to understand because the truth of God's word is there, but there's so many other things that come and just distract them and, and choke them out. Again, it's nothing new. Paul saw this happen. Paul was with a guy that, that was, he thought was a believer, but he demonstrated that he wasn't by his behavior. Paul writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 10, Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me. Are you attracted to Christ and yet distracted by all the stuff in the world? Are we trying to have our cake and, and eat it too? Can I tell you that the cake God wants to give you is so much better than the cake the world will ever give you? He wants you to have what he is offering to you, to enjoy his life with you. 
But we can't have both God and the world. Jesus says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You cannot serve both God and, and what this world has to offer. Who do you want to serve? The fourth type of soil that Jesus mentions in this parable is the spiritual soil, the fruitful faith. Uh, only the fourth soil here that Jesus described actually bears any measurable fruit. In verse 8, it says, Still other seed fell on good soil, where it produced a crop a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. In Jesus' day, if a farmer had a crop that would yield uh, six or seven times what was sown, it was considered to be a huge success. And so for Jesus to say to have a hundred, 60 or 30, that would have been unheard of, unnatural. And those listening would have been going, wow, that's pretty impressive. Jesus saves the best for last. In verse 23, he talks about it. He explains it. But the one who receives the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word and understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. He sows, he understands, he hears it. It's a part of who he is. Luke chapter 8, verse 16 says uh, in the same thing, he holds the word. He listens to the word. He loves the Lord. And he's interested in living that out and letting that be a part of who he is. His faith in the, in the Lord produces fruit. And it becomes fruitful. And, and fruit bearing is the mark of a disciple according to what Jesus says in John chapter 15, verse 8. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourself to be my disciples. In Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 and 23, we see that believers are to be fruit bearers, but the fruit of the Spirit. And here's the things that, that we are to be demonstrating is the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Those are the marks of a person who is producing the faith that, that God wants him to have. And it's evident through the fruit. If we're truly following Christ, it's going to result in us having that relationship with him, in us serving him. Our faith will produce fruit. Look at what it says in verse 9. He who has ears, let him hear. In this parable alone, the word hear is used 12 different times. And it caused me to think that maybe one of the questions we need to ask ourselves is, do we hear the word of God? Do we really hear the word of God or is it just something we listen to? Because there is a difference. Do we hear the word of God and allow it to penetrate our heart? Do we listen to what it's truly saying to us? And if so, do we act upon it? Do we apply it to our lives? Do we allow it to be who we are? Do we allow God's word to produce fruit in our life? The band's going to come and we're going to kind of wrap up this parable this morning. And as they do that, I think it's important that we understand just a couple more things this morning. The Word of God is the only thing that's going to produce lasting growth. The Word of God, it's God's Word alone. It's not going to be anything I say. Maybe I can help point you back to Scripture, but it's all about God's Word. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says that the power of God for salvation of everyone who believes. That's what the Word is. That's what Jesus wants us to see from his words, from the scriptures, is that we allow God's word to be who we are. Not just our thoughts to direct us, and not just what society thinks or popular opinion, but God's word in our life. I want you to understand that if you're serious about your faith and serious about growing and serious about having that relationship with the Lord, it starts by sowing. We have to start sowing seed as well. We have to start telling people and living the example and bearing much fruit. 
Philemon 6 says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you will have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. It's our job, it's our responsibility to, to scatter the seed so that other people can have that relationship with him as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6 says, I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God made it grow. Paul is talking there and he's saying, we each have to do our part. We have to be responsible to, to share that message with other people. We have a role to play. And we have to ask ourselves tough questions whenever we are faced with what God's word says. Especially this morning, as I said uh, toward the beginning, what type of soil are you? Each one of us should ask ourselves that question. What type of soil am I? Am I hard? Am I shallow? Am I strangled? Am I fruitful? How can I become more the type of soil that God wants to have in my life? How do I hear his word and truly apply it to my heart and into my life? We, we want to challenge you to discover and experience the life-changing love of Christ in a way that maybe you never have before. That's why we do what we do. It's why we talk about God's word so that people, we can all come together and we can have that relationship with the Lord that is a saving relationship. And if you want to talk to someone about what's going on in your life, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, if you just want someone to pray with you, we invite you to make your way over toward the cross, and we'll be more than happy to talk with you and pray with you. Would you stand with me? The band's going to lead us in that song. It talks about everything. Everything comes from the Lord. Would you allow everything, the everything that you need to be the Lord this morning?